Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Twenty. It is time, donkeys, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am from CBS Sports. I am joined by my co-host on the other side of the screen. His name is Co-host. Boy, the, 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 the fans love that little bit that you did that we then turned into some uh, social media assets, BC. So congratulations. Brian Campbell, everybody, on the other side of the screen. You can Thank see his you, name Luke. there. Thank the you, Luke. Thank you. Luke, before we, we tri potentially trade hostilities, which is very possible on this show, although it is Wednesday, <laughs> it's a fun day. No J Wednesdays, NJW in the house indeed. It's also Veterans Day, Luke. So I, so I did want to, in full sincerity, tell you that A, there is no such thing as an ex-Marine, a former Marine, whatever you want to call it. And Luke, thank you for serving this great country of ours. Thank you. Do me a favor. I want to grab something. Put BC on the screen if you can, Gaff or Corey, who's ever doing this. I want to grab something here real quickly, but I got to dig it up. So there we go. All right, I'm while look up I'm something here, here, I did want to show you my sweet peach. Uh, wow. Sweet piece of $3.99 merch I picked up and I wore today because like Vulcan Ozdemir, when he knocks out fools in a Fort Lauderdale bar, I've got no time for any of Luke Thomas's shenanigans today. So thank you that, very much. Mean? No time for shenanigans. Any of right, your here. typical bullshit, Luke. All right, what do you got here, Luke? You got it. You got a scrap. Yeah. Scrap so I haven't. Uh, I found this. I dug this out. So this is your boy. About nine weeks into Marine Corps boot camp, I don't know if you can oh, see. Yes, look at that guy. Believing in you. This is a point in your life when all conspiracies felt true to you, Luke. Not quite true. And then here is I was with two platoons. So I was with Echo Company, twenty seventy four in Paris Island, and then I. Skip Team Week, and I went to uh, Alpha Company, and then I was with 1066. But this was the, the group I spent the most amount of time with. And there is your boy, L. Thomas. You can see here very quickly. I'll show you in the screen if, I can if you can read. I'm not sure. I'll move. Uh, I can't quite tell if it's focusing or not. Maybe not. Uh, I'm looks too like far. It's like a game close. of Guess Who, Luke. Uh, <laughs> it's not really is focusing. He, but let me say he, this. The guy, yes. the guy next to me. My, my, my bunkmate, because it's all alphabetical, there's me, L. Thomas. My bunkmate was B. Thomas, and he was a much better recruit than I was. But one time he got in trouble, and he mislabeled his clothes, and all it said was Thomas. And I remember this drill instructor right here, Staff Sergeant Beal, and then here was our senior drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Jackson, who was clearly on steroids and had lightning and barbed wire covering all his veins as tattoos. Anyway... They one time were like, Thomas, get your fucking ass over here. We're going to blah, 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 blah. And we both were like, you know, this recruit does not understand which one you mean. And it was, he was the one that was in the wrong. And, uh, and they go, you know what, Thomas LF, you can get your stupid ass over here too. <laughs> That's what you get for having the same last name. That's exactly what they told me. So wow. that was a fun day. Luke, for day. as good as this moment was, and it is, this is a genuine moment. Thank you, Luke. I'm not effing around. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, there's a good chance nobody heard this since we start out every show with an with a audio tech <laughs> issue. So, uh, you know, hey, salute, Luke. All right. All right. Woo-ha. Got you all in check. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, look at BC. Pew, 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 pew. 
coming oh, yeah. out fucking oh, yeah. blasting. Speaking of bullets, oh, Luke, you wrongly had said that I don't support our full team here. You're wrong, Luke. Check this this little piece of merch out right here, Luke. All right. Below the belt with Brendan Schaub. One of you. Yeah, you're, you might be surprised this is on my wall. It is. Our now, team is that player, a, part is that of a, our team. Is that a bumper sticker or what is that? A license plate? It's a tag for a Brendan Schaub t-shirt that I have mm. in my merch collection. And uh, and so uh, I wanted to display it because, you know, Luke, we support Outcry with, with uh, Pat Tillman. We support a lot of different projects here for Showtime. Brendan Schaub's one of them, okay? I love that man. Yeah, very, and you know what? We guy. also support uh, the CBS products, Bellator 252, which is tomorrow. You and I were... We were kind of supposed to host the weigh-ins, but then we ended up not doing that. But still, we will talk about that today. A lot to get to, BC. So, yes, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Memorial Day, I mean, it's always a good day to celebrate those who sacrificed their life. Uh, but that's typically designated for Memorial Day. For If they're still around, hey, you know, uh, thank a veteran or do what it is you need to do to, to honor the day correctly. Um, and shouts to all my fellow vets out there, especially the ones who uh, spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and any place. Who are in UFC harm's vets, way. Luke, that we can shout out here? Brian Stan, Tim Kennedy, right? Anybody else I'm forgetting? Uh, yeah, Kyle Stewart uh, is another one. I follow him on Instagram. He is a super gung ho Marine. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch that had spent time as like airmen or something else. But, you know, some, some had a more of a forward identity with the military, some didn't. But all yeah. of them matter, you know, so appreciate all of them I'm sure some spend time with seamen, too. <laughs> you know what? Fuck the, fuck the Navy. You're not going to hear me defend them. I mean, you know, the Marine Corps is part of it. But, you know, as the stupid T-shirts say, the men's department. Anyway, yes. all right. We have a lot to get to today. Bellator 252. We got a bunch of different pieces of news. Like the video. Hit that subscribe button. If you can see me and hear me, blink twice. That's always important. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. You can go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go fuck yourself. And uh, we have merch. Store.show.com. Forget about pounding that sand. Just kill yourself. Thank you. Okay. Store.show.com. You can get some great gear that neither of us are sporting today, but we usually do. We vouch for it, assuming you can get it. And, uh, yeah, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Send this to a friend. We always appreciate that when you do. All right, BC. Pleasantries aside, let's get to where the show starts, which is we're actually going to switch things up a little bit today, and we're going to do our deep dive first because it's actually the most important story, or at least maybe the biggest one out there. So first things first, we had a main event set for Saturday in the UFC between Islam Makachev and Rafael Dos Anjos. Makachev is out. I don't know if he got the Rona or something else, but he's out. Rafael Dos Anjos, on short notice, was looking for an opponent. Wasn't sure what was going to happen. On five days' notice, UFC commentator slash sometimes lightweight, I guess, or however you want to call it, Paul Felder steps in and decides to take the fight. It will be, Brian Campbell, five rounds, not three. Mobbles. Mobbles, Luke. I know, bro, at 155 pounds. There's a lot of different pieces to unpack here. Your reaction to the news generally. Yeah, I'm like, my reaction is is thank you, Paul Felder, because, Luke, in a weird way, tell me if I'm wrong, he raised the rent on this fight. It wasn't that I didn't like that main event. There, There's some certain, re- there's referendum issues here. We got to see if RDA coming off three out of four defeats and now moving back down 
to not, you know, not only the division that he won the title at at lightweight, but the one that he couldn't make weight anymore four years ago. That's a story in itself. Certainly, I wanted to see the rise of Islam Makachev. Could he defeat somebody on this level? Would have been a nice win if he could. Now we get a fight that just tells me, Luke. I don't know about you. It tells me they're going to bang. We're going to see some action. This will be fun. Paul Felder, I, you know, I don't always give him the, like... I love him. I respect him. I always feel like I'm saying, man, this guy's great, but is he uber elite? Man, he is right there if he's not. He pushed Dan Hooker to the absolute limit. His fights, more often than not, Luke, are very fun to watch. And this is going to be very interesting because it's not that he was out of it in terms of contention. But after that loss to Dan Hooker, he did sort of take stock of his age, his situation with the burgeoning second career as a broadcaster, and the whole idea of, can he still do it at this level? He didn't have a fight scheduled. He wasn't in a camp. Excuse me for uh, burping my way through this. But he did, Luke, um, keep himself in tip-top shape. I don't know if he's training for a, uh, a a 209 Stockton triathlon or not, but he's got the abs. He's ripped up, and he's got the bollocks, Luke, to say, you know what, company? I'll save the day for you. I'm sure they're going to pay him well for it. Luke, do you think this could be sort of an accidental potential opportunity if he can get a win here to parachute back into a big fight in a loaded division. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, this is this is what it is, right? It's 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 go big or go home, right? Accept a bunch of risk knowing that your chances are certainly I'm not going to say not great, but an uphill climb. I think that's pretty fair. And if you win, you just get all the rewards in the world. And if you lose, you can say, well, listen, I took it on short notice. What could you really expect? Still, it would be two losses in a row, even though I kind of thought he won the hooker fight. But, you know, it is what it is. Although I thought he lost the Barboza fight. The point being is it'd be two losses in a row. Certainly two out of your last three fights wouldn't go your way, however forgivable it may be. But back to the point, the point you had raised, which is, Let's say he wins. It is absolutely massive. I mean, we already know, you know, Dana White's judgment can be questioned or second-guessed, but it is what it is. He is the guy who has a lot of say, and he really respects, as we all do, but in particular really respects Rafael Dos Anjos and the ability that he has, and he sort of uses the guy. He has said publicly, this is sort of my measuring stick for you can beat this guy, you can do something really quite special. Now, again, beating that guy at all is hard to do, especially on five days' notice at 155 pounds in five rounds. It's just crazy that he's able to do that, to your point. I mean, he must be the king of Peloton or some shit. I don't know what he's doing in his free time, (laughs) but apparently it was just getting ready, staying in phenomenal shape, and he didn't second-guess this one at all. To me, if you take a fight on five days' notice at 155 pounds for five rounds in a main event against a guy this battle-tested, who is this good, a former champion in the weight class, and a guy who has wins over contenders, a division up. Holy shit, man. That honestly might be the best win of his career. I mean, look at him. These are his victories, BC, in the UFC. Jason Sago, Danny Castillo, Darren Cruikshank, Josh Berkman, uh, Alessandro uh, Ricci, Stevie Ray. The Charles Oliveira one's very good, certainly at, at age as well. James Vick and Edson Barboza. Shouts to all those folks. Honestly, BC, this might be his crowning achievement if he can find a way to get it done. Yeah, look, and maybe there is one, you know, one run left in him to sort of make it. Look, he's got nice wins. There's not a giant standout one in there against Barbosa. While RDA at this point is, is on, seems like he's on the other side of the hill. 
you know, for all things considered, like you said, it could end up being his best win if he could get it. I mean, even Connor didn't come back at lightweight, right? Coming off of that long layoff was like, give me the, the soft welterweight to fall back on. So a lot of respect here. And I think most importantly, Luke, on his decision making to do this, obviously you have to be in the shape to accept it. But you know in the UFC, right, the quickest way to Dana's heart is not through his stomach. It's it's kind of through his sack, Luke. It's kind of showing him that 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 I'm company man. I'm crazy. I'm gonna, you know, I'll do it for the love. I'm gonna save the day and come in. You do that, you get rewarded. It's how this thing works, Luke. Okay? So uh you know, Cowboy Cerrone made a career out of that, right? It's uh, it's what you do. And uh this is gonna be really interesting to see. I like the fight a lot. I mean, look, uh. you Look, who has more who has more questions to answer? That's the key. I mean, I feel like this is a giant referendum on who on where RDA is and where he's going. Yeah, I mean, RDA, uh, we're all praising Paul Felder. You got to respect RDA too because here's the other part about it. Yes, it's 5 rounds. Yes, it's 5 days notice and yes, it's 155. Okay, so you know, that doesn't make the job easy for Paul Felder. Paul Felder's not a walk in the park to fight either. And if you're Rafael Dos Anjos, hey, man, you're back down at 155. You're trying to get right. You were taking on Islam Makachev, who was certainly a formidable challenge. Uh, and we'll see exactly how good he can be. But, you know, you have to pivot to a different opponent on short notice, too. You want to thank Paul Felder. We're thanking Paul Felder. You got to do the exact same thing for Rafael Dos Anjos, who was out there praising Paul Felder. For, you know, making sure that the show goes on. This, like, next man up attitude that these guys have. And, yes, they want to get paid. I mean, obviously, there's something to it. But they are both taking on substantial forms of risk here in the event that goes wrong. Yes, MMA is forgiving for losses even that happen as a planned fight. And especially on short notice. But it doesn't mean they don't count. They do. I, I got to say, I take my hat off to both of these competitors, and I want to make sure we say it. Rafael Dos Anjos is all man as well, and while he has his hands full, I respect his willingness to take on the risk because it's not going to work out for one of these two, and they both know it, and the way in which it can be so unpredictable is just things that a lot of combat athletes just wouldn't do. Yeah, Luke. Uh, no, for, agreed. Full respect to both. And certainly on Friday's show, we can uh, look a little bit deeper into this matchup after they get on the scales and one, see who one, one may quick end note, up... BC, one quick note, BC. I'll throw it right back to you. This is what I found interesting to the point we're making. Odds makers. They've got Paul Felder as a very slight underdog. About plus 160 to RDA's minus 190. So not, not a little bit more than slight, but not a heavy underdog. Not by any stretch of the imagination. No, and it's a hard fight to handicap, not knowing if, if RDA can make this weight and look the same. I mean, go back and watch the Eddie Alvarez fight. You know, was that Eddie's moment, or was that RDA just realizing he couldn't make 155 anymore? Now it feels like he's going back under some guise of last, you know, desperation, one last chance. I will be talking to the great Rafael Dos Anjos later today. Luke, right after this show, in fact. So look for that later today. But Luke, I want to get into the deep dive element, because you found this very interesting. You, you threw it out there on Twitter and stuff. The whole idea... Of saving the day. We seem to see it a lot more on in MMA than we do in boxing. When a main event falls apart, you're much more likely to get a very suitable replacement. You know, it's rare that you get an upgrade. It happens sometimes, but but you get a very suitable replacement. That seems obvious to me given the different business models and the too many cooks in the kitchen in boxing, the lack of organization where in UFC, same promoter, same league, all under one house. Why does this stick out to you, Luke? The reason why it stuck out is because in this age of corona, 
fighters aren't fighting as often, which at first they were lamenting for different reasons between boxing and MMA. You know, for example, you had Bud Crawford initially saying at the beginning of the pandemic, hey, man, I'm not fighting without an audience. Now, here he is fighting on Saturday basically without an audience, but it took some time for him to warm up to it. And obviously those guys at Bud Crawford's level, you know, when you're at that kind of an A-side, you know, premier top for pound for pound talent, you have some command over the gate and that's a way you can generate revenue. So you know, you had pointed out quite smarmily, if that's a word, smarmy, I'm not sure what the word would be, that you know, they're different business models, but it's true, right? I mean, the way in which the business models are constructed, they're not entirely different, but they're meaningfully different. And those meaningful differences they drive different forms of incentive. The thing that I was thinking about is I'm all the time talking about the Ali Act or a union or a trade association or some kind of mechanism to level the playing field to a degree between labor in the, in the uh, world of MMA and the promoter. And whatever mechanism it ends up being, you know, we can all debate which one we'd like more. But my question was thinking out loud was, if you get one of those things, and I guess it would depend on which one you get, given what the answer would be, but let's say a union. If you got a union, would this practice go away? With the days of Paul Felder stepping in on five days' notice, not taking the three-round fight, a five-round fight against, dude, RDA is, I mean, you know, he's as tough as they come, whether he's in the back end of a career or not, would it go away? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, one of the keys, BC, and you know this as well as I do, one of the keys to the UFC successes, they have found a way to align their own interests with the consumers. The consumer really benefits because what they want out of the product is what the UFC management wants out of the product. And that's a relationship that works really well. I don't know which one it is, BC. I would love to know. Is this now something that is so ingrained as a practice that it's part of the culture MMA? Or if you change the incentives in the business model, not to the exact same thing boxing is, but a little bit closer, would this practice go away? Uh, you wouldn't see it as much because, look, there, I, I feel like there's not a middle class in the UFC. I feel like there's the haves and the have-nots. The haves are the ch the champions, the ex-champions, the championship-level, consistent main event-type fighters who get the type of pay that that you know you you can you can put some money away and walk away from the sport in a good piece and it's everyone else fighting and scratching and crawling to get to that and that opens uh up doors to be opportunistic and maybe and look this you know not not it's all one it's not one size fits all for all we know Paul Felder could have been could have gotten offered you know a lot more money than normal and just taken it one time it also could just be look maybe I do have one run left in me let me figure this out situations differ but certainly in, in MMA you're going to see that I think more often guys taking that opportunity they know you can win over management management's got full control here they're the matchmakers they're the owner they're the promoter all that uh you you can win them over by doing sort of company-wide uh, take chances like this. I think it's a little bit more ingrained in the culture to do that. Uh, the, the sport's got a shorter history run. It's certainly got a small history of uh, not equal pay, and there's sort of that fight. You certainly see it a lot less often in boxing, Luke, first and foremost just because you got different promoters and networks. I mean, it's not that we don't see it. Andy Ruiz uh, coming in the last minute to upset Anthony Joshua is probably the last great mo monster example. He was actually a PBC fighter on another network and promotion but that was a specific big fight where they wanted Anthony Joshua to come to the States Madison Square Garden make this arrival and an announcement 
and they wanted a replacement that at least would ring true to people as having some level of a chance. And I know that sounds contrasting because we're, we played up this Cinderella thing with Andy Ruiz pulling the upset. Look, it wasn't likely, but it wasn't like Andy Ruiz was a bomb. He wasn't Rocky Balboa going in there against Apollo Creed. He was somebody who, who maybe just didn't max it out until that moment. Um, we also saw, of course, uh, Vitaly Klitschko famously come in last minute when Johnson fell out against Lennox Lewis in 2003, and they had that sort of last-minute uh, war on HBO. That That's a classic. You don't see it that often, though. So, Luke, I think it's still built into that structure of the have-nots seeing an opportunity to maybe become a have. I mean, you know, if you're a have, Luke, why would you? Unless it's a title fight, unless you're a badass, unless you're Justin Gaethje coming in to fight Ferguson to skip the line to get that interim strap to get to the top of the queue in the deepest division in the sports history, why else would you, Luke? It's just it, the one, the thing that stands out is, and maybe it was bluster, and who knows if it would have really gone down. But you know, when Conor McGregor was looking to fill in, I think against uh, Frankie Edgar for some fight, or against Frankie Edgar, I, just, I can't remember the exact circumstances at this point. My memory is a little bit fading, but Conor McGregor was willing to step in on short notice against a sort of credentialed opponent, even at an inhospitable weight class. And you know, there's a guy who has no real need to do it. I mean, I think you're right. You'd still see it particularly for those who are trying to get to the UFC. Hey, guy fell out th- with Rona. Can you take a fight in the UFC on three days and you've been feeding, uh, fighting in, you know, you know, cage fury, not paying you shit championships or whatever. Yes, I think you'll see it there. Or if someone's on a card, same weight class, opponent falls out, will you change opponents, especially if you need to and you want to make good with a promotion, it could come with a pay bump. That's the other part too. It could change the mechanics where if some of them falls out and you want to take the headlining slot, UFC through some kind of union obligation would have to like, you know, double your pay or something. I'm making something up, but you know, some kind of ordered mechanism by which to bump your pay. All of those could be in play. And so that can kind of do it. But it, I, I just can't, I can't quite figure out where the incentives in terms of making it happen because you're trying to please somebody in an unequal relationship begins and where the culture of it's been such a practice for so long, not just in UFC, in other MMA organizations, you might just see more of it and more of it and more of it because, uh, or at least continuing it, I should say, because it's just a thing MMA fighters do. I don't know. I think there's a bit of a culture there. You know, I want to look back at sort of some of the more monumental moments in the UFC that we've seen that. And there's been times, you know, Justin Gaethje took advantage, uh, yet Jorge Masvidal tried the same thing, of course, this year and lost to Usman. Maybe the best example in terms of success is Michael Bisping coming off the uh, movie set, Luke, of Triple X with Vin Diesel and walking in there and upsetting Luke Rockhold when Weidman fell out. But was there Uh, one that was... Nate Diaz and Connor too. Nate Diaz was certainly look look that yeah that was a big situation and uh and don't forget Uriah Faber claims he was right in that discussion until the final second Luke when they went with Nate Diaz but um do you think there's a more surprising one and I'll give you mine than Anderson Silva at UFC 200 God he took the fight on like two hours notice Luke and fought Daniel Cormier in the damn co-main event or, or I mean well it wasn't the co-main event but you get my point I mean that that I don't think I've been more surprised than that right there, even though that quickly turned into a almost a carnival-type fight with no rules and no meaning, really. It was just sort of an attraction one time. Let's see it. Yeah, it was like the UFC was like, who could we possibly put on this card to retain some of the value now that DC versus Jones is off? And they got Anderson Silva versus DC, and you think to yourself, my God, if that's who they can call out of the bullpen and put on a card, I mean, it just speaks to their incredible culture of doing this, but also the reservoir of talent 
who was willing to do this kind of thing. Now, the fight ended up being weird. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah, that was an interesting moment as well. And so uh, it goes back to these questions, like, what are successful examples? What are bad examples of it? To me, the Nate Diaz and Connor in the first fight, so, or you brought it up. You could say even the Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua fight. I mean, that's the reason why these guys don't do that, right? It's because the A side ends up getting uh, toppled out of nowhere, and now you have to go and reconfigure the whole division for a second. And they had to go and do the Andrew Ruiz fight with Clash on the Dunes in Saudi Arabia. They had to do the second Diaz fight, and there's controversy about that. And in the end, the promotions made it work for their own respective reasons, but it causes a lot of problems, or at least I should say, it changes a lot of plans when things don't go according to plan. You don't exactly have that in this case, BC, with RDA and Paul. It could change the trajectory of their careers, but it doesn't really affect the entire division or title implications or that kind of a thing. So for that reason, it's a lot less risky. But it's amazing that the UFC is by itself, we don't talk about it this way, we keep talking about the fighters. The UFC accepts some measure of risk, but the thing that they love more than anything in the world is keeping the machine going. If you take a fight on short notice and you don't make weight, they have been very clear, BC, you're not doing them any favors. We want you to fill in on short notice, yes, but we want you to do it in an orderly way so we don't have to do catchweight bullshit. Again, it will happen on occasion if it's really short notice and they're really making a sacrifice. But in general, it's not something they appreciate. So to me, it's also a question of what is their corporate ethos and theirs is grind the gears, baby. Let's keep this thing moving. Well, shout out to Max Holloway for trying at 223 to try to save the day the same way. Obviously, it was Ally Quinta in the end. And he showed himself well in that moment. Didn't get the victory, though. Luke, you ever have like a vacation coming up or a high school reunion? You're like, dude, I got to get in shape for this. I got, when I show up on the beach, I got to have a flat stomach. I got to get rid of these moobs, right? And then, you know, halfway there, you worked out for a couple of days. And you're just like, screw it, dude. I'm getting a, you know, you told me, you texted me the other night. You're like, my fat ass is getting uh, ice cream from Uber Eats. I was like, get, get on with your fat self, Luke. Um, at what point in the training camp for Clash at the Dunes, did Andy Ruiz like do you think it was his do you think he said to himself at the start of that camp you know what I'm just gonna eat I'm just gonna become a fat shit and lose the belt like you think it was that or do you think there was an oh shit moment halfway through where he's like got you know he's juggling pizza and wings he's just like you know what bro F it I think I guaranteed there was a month left and he was like yeah I'm in trouble probably in trouble but he also probably thought you know if I did it once I can do it again kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So I think that's probably what went down with it. He was just like, but I guarantee you, there was a moment, about a month out, he was like, yeah, I fucked this one up a little bit. And, in fact, he did. So there you go. All right. Uh, All right. Topic number two. McGregor at Poirier drama. So yesterday, MMA Fighting's Damon Martin, he may have had someone else who helped him along, but Damon Martin said that it's on. Poirier and McGregor have agreed. Whole nine yards. There is still McGregor pushing for an earlier date, but if it had to go down the 23rd of January, that'd be fine. Uh, But no other outlet reported it. So I'm not here to say that it's not a done deal. But then I think Dana, was it today's Wednesday? So last night's Contender Series post-fight presser was saying McGregor still hasn't signed yet. Yeah, I think MMA fighting jumped the gun. Ariel then came out and, and had talked to the Connor team, and they hadn't signed yet. And like you said, they were hoping for December. And then Dana told Okamoto that if, if it happens, it has to be in Fight Island until the world changes. So there's still a lot up in the air here, Luke. 
well, what, what do you make of this? Are we actually going to get it? I mean, what is, what is your read and temperature on whether or not it actually happens? Yeah, yeah, we're going to get it. I, I've seen too much, too much tweeting from Conor McGregor, too much of a refocus to do what, what we're so pleasantly surprised he's willing to do. Get out of the mode of just celebrity fighter, right? We're not talking at the moment about boxing Pacquiao or fighting Nate for the third time. We're, we're talking about getting back in line. In, the, in these lightweight stakes and, and, and trying to win back that title. Uh, I think it's going to happen. I think it could be really, well, look, it's going to be massive no matter what. But, Luke, if, if, if we can um, we can get people in a building, we can open up Allegiant Stadium or something. I mean, look, there is, if the law, if the, if the Fauci shit changes a little bit, Luke, there is some potential here. I love and understand Connor saying, I want it now. Let's do it in December. You may, you know, you may have just lost a title fight main event there. Let me fill in and take that from you. Uh, no matter how it ends up playing out, I think before the end of, of January, we're going to see this fight, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be huge. Look, this fight's going to be huge, brother. Huge. I know. I don't know what the right answer is on this one because you had that great news with the vaccine, which means if people take it, and if there's some kind of a way to assess who has taken it or something similar or whatever, you could put a lot more than just 5,000 fans in Allegiant Stadium. However, you know... We had 1,400 people die yesterday from coronavirus. 200,000 in the country test positive. While our ability to treat this is better than it has been, certainly relative to March, it's significantly better. We're just infecting a lot more people all over the place. In fact, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to have a Thanksgiving with my family because my dad is high risk and so is uh, my sister-in-law. And so I don't know if it's all going to go down. So I know this is a bit of a sort of a side note relative to where you put it, Fight Island or Apex or whatever, I think if there would be a way to get it done with fans, you could. But, dude, Dana just doesn't seem... It's like either you can have all the fans or none of the fans. I don't know that I understand that. I, 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 at a bare minimum, wouldn't you explore like Australia or New Zealand where you could have this? People would have to quarantine a little bit, but you could have it. And then you could have packed arenas for a McGregor fight in 2020 or potentially 2021 first quarter. That seems like a thing you would actually want to pursue if you could do it. They don't seem that interested in it, dude. I don't get it. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting point. Maybe Dana's plugged in on certain deep right-wing networks, you know, from the underground mountain bunkers in Colorado, where I believe the government choices of this country actually made, Luke, in opposition of the European banks. Uh, maybe they're getting projections that might allow the potential of something like this in the Vegas football stadium filled up. So that's why Dana's saying... I'm not going to commit to a venue yet. It would be Fight Island if it has to be, but let's see how the war- we're waiting on the world to change, Luke. Okay, all right. Yeah, you know what's weird about that though is he was the guy who was like, "Well, after the election and this Corona thing goes away, I'm like, Dana, I'm not sure if you're paying attention here, bud, but uh, not going away. In fact, getting worse again. So that's fun. Uh, all yeah. right, I don't have a whole lot to say on this topic, but it's worth mentioning, BC. Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson were supposed to fight at the main event of UFC 256. In fact, it relates to our last point because Conor apparently is pushing to get to, into that slot uh, inside of 2020, given that now the greatest women's fighter of all time is no longer competing. She was forced to withdraw due to some kind of issue, a medical issue. We don't really know exactly what it is. I don't know what to say. It's like, on the one hand, this probably benefits Megan because she needs as much time as possible, I think, to get ready for a challenge this formidable. On the other hand, I, I respect Megan Anderson. I think she's a very smart person, a very talented person. But, you know, you're fighting Amanda Nunes. I, I can't count her out, but it's hard to count her too much in. And even with a delay, BC, 
I don't know that it meaningfully changes the way in which I look at this fight. No, it probably doesn't. I'm a little bit surprised at this one thing. Look, I'm not trying to, you know, carve a path of upset victory here for Anderson. You know, I think we know who she is for the most part, right? She's a good fighter, right? Got a lot of tats. Beautiful lady. Very good fighter. I think people are just crapping on her chances, though. And I get it in light of Amanda's dominance. Absolutely. I just think, Luke, she's a different style of uh, of opponent that, that Amanda's faced recently, right? She, she's she's bigger and longer, um, natural more for this weight class in a lot of ways. If Amanda's potentially, and I don't know if this is an injury, I don't know what's going on in Amanda's life. I know her and Nina just had the first child, and congratulations and all that. Hopefully all's going well. But if there's any element of distraction or injury or any of what we talked about earlier in the year, Luke, the idea that maybe Amanda is not long for this, long term maybe you know maybe she's she's reached the mountaintop everything's going great and and, you know this might be the best time to fight her okay that's all i'm gonna say i think i just give megan anderson more of a chance i think she's got uh she's she's a i don't know luke i'm seeing something okay i'm seeing something that says this probably all could potentially play into her hands if she's got a shot luke this might be the best case scenario for her yeah, this is the best case scenario. Again, we went back. back. I always talk about it. Matt Sarah was supposed to fight GSP initially. The fight got delayed, and and Sarah was clear. Those extra eight weeks of sparring, of hitting pads, of really working on the game plan, that was when things really turned the corner for him, and you saw the fruits of that labor. So, yes, I would agree. This is definitely – if you're Megan Anderson, it's probably frustrating, but it's only a month delay, and it gives you more time to – uh, by the way, if you're Megan Anderson, work on your weight because for her, getting to 145 is not easy. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which to look at this and say, you know, this might narrow the gap a little bit. But the question is, does it meaningfully narrow the gap? And that's the part that I think is a little bit hard to parse. Also, I, I if I'm Conor McGregor, I, I understand wanting to get in in December. And I don't think, by the way, that um, Dustin Poirier is opposed to that. But... Again, Dana's got his ideas, and they just... Well, is is this a Dana's ideas thing, Luke, or does this go back to that time that Conor wanted to come back and fight Frankie Edgar on two hours' notice? You do... You do have to promote a Conor McGregor fight. I mean, you want to, if you're, especially if you're not potentially going to get an audience here, not only would you want to push Conor out a month if you can for the hope that maybe you could put 10,000 into a football stadium, wouldn't you want time, excuse me, to promote that, put the videos out, really get extra time to bang the drum? If you're ESPN, which is your pay-per-view partner, Look, December's already a pretty crazy month with football and all that. They already told, you know, Wilder and Fury 3 to, to, to you know, push off, and that's why we got an issue if that fight's going to happen uh, or not at all. So uh, I don't know that de- December is the best time, Luke, for this. Agreed. And you've also got a lot of um, collegiate sports. You've got NFL in full swing. you got a yeah, lot of Yeah, I said football. Things. Luke, when I said football, I meant both collegiate sports and NFL. They're, that's football. It's all the right. devil's F- Fair enough. Football. So your Saturdays yeah. and your Sundays, and if it's paper – sorry, if it's uh, – if it's um, – uh, the postseason for the NFL, it's also on Saturdays as well. You just have a lot of things going on at that point. So I, I understand it. They may all, all, there's another theory that they already had their budget in for what they had expected for the year in terms of content and revenue and, and expenditures, and it was set and blah, blah, blah. Fine, whatever. Uh, I'm just saying it wouldn't hurt to get Connor twice in 2020 if it was all available, but I guess a different issue for a different time. Uh, okay, BC, we sort of, we're there for the 252 weigh-ins for Bellator, which is tomorrow. Sneaky, sneaky, <laughs> sneaky good card. 
Here's how Pre-card, good it is. main card is loaded, Luke. Loaded. Well, even your prelim card has some interesting fights on it. Here's why I say that. Aaron Pico is headlining the prelim portion of the card. He's not even on the main card. Now, it's a three-fight main card. If it was four, as it traditionally is, he'd be on it. But I'm just pointing out, this is a sensational card. Before we even talk about the main card, BC, on the prelims, you have uh, Conry or Henry Gracie, son of Hoist. So he's on there. Then you have Gabriel Varga, one of the best kickboxers in the history of Canada. Certainly, he's uh, competing. Carrie Taylor Melendez, the wife of Gilbert Melendez, is on the card. Devin Powell, UFC veteran, is on there. And then, of course, Aaron Pico headlining. But the main part of it, two fights on the right side of the bracket for the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. So that will advance. And then you have an interesting fight. Let's start here. Yaroslav Amosov taking on Logan Storley. Logan Storley, four-time All-American at the University of Minnesota. Uh, undefeated in Bellator, welterweight. Amosov has, is undefeated and had a great run where he even beat Ed Ruth. And they've still kind of put him on the prelim cards. I saw people being like, why are you doing that? Well, here he gets a great step up, BC. What do you it's make of fight. Amosov versus Storley? This is a great fight. This is a hardcore fight of two potentially rising guys. And Amoslav at this moment, uh, did I butcher that? Yaroslav Amosov. That's correct. Amosov, okay. I think that's right. Um, you know, he's maybe got the bigger wins at this point. But get woke to Logan Storley if you're not. He's a ground and pound machine, Luke. Same high school in Webster, South Dakota as Brock Lesnar. Same university, University of Minnesota, four-time All-American. Luke, he's a six-time high school wrestling state champion. So what that means is as a seventh and eighth grader, he won state titles against high school age kids. The guy can freaking wrestle, Luke, okay? He's got, you know, he's got a legit sort of foundation there, unbeaten in Belcher, unbeaten overall. And I think Yamaslav, Yaroslav Amoslav. Luke, I'm a slob, okay? <laughs> I'm an absolute slob. Go order right? ice cream. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think the the uh, the Ukrainian fella, uh, Luke, he's damn good. And if you don't know, you better ask somebody. He trains at ATT. His sparring partners of late: Austin Vanderford, Jorge Masvidal, and Dustin Poirier. Not bad, not bad to get you ready. And oh, by the way, uh, Storley, a Sanford MMA guy. So these are two guys that could have very bright futures. I love it, Luke. I love it. When you met, there's almost like showbox style, right? I love it when you match them up together, unbeaten versus unbeaten. You know, it's, it gives you those old school John Jones, Ryan Bader feels, right? You're like, oh my God, let's do this thing. I'm not going to compare their levels and abilities to where Bader and Jones was, but you get where I'm going with this. This could be a nice little fight that goes to the ground a lot. And we see, we see two men bang, Luke. Uh, we might see two men bang, although not in the way you are weirdly describing. But yes, I, I, that was I, I stepped into a puddle. I accidentally ended up there. Look, you ever, you know, you're, you're crawling around and outside, and you just put your hand right in a pile of crap. I, I yeah, sorry, Luke, sorry. Uh, I don't know where you're putting your hands these days, BC. But here's what I can tell you: I agree with your general tenor, which is Bellator has again the Scott Coker philosophy is not a secret. It is signed from the top down, built from the ground up. Well, here's your build from the ground up. They got Logan Storley early in his uh, MMA career, and Emeslav had been pretty experienced, but they were the first ones to sort of grab him for a major North American-based promotion, although obviously, you know, Bellator does a lot of worldwide work as well. But you get the idea. And they gave these guys fights and gave them fights, and they built and they built, and they were quietly doing the things that they were doing, and they have turned into absolutely sensational talents. Emeslav can do it all. He can wrestle. He can scramble. He can strike. He's got good cardio. He's seen so many different looks 
from opposition. Now, Storley hasn't quite faced the same level of competition that Amosov has, but he's a much better wrestler and a much better scrambler and probably about the same level or better as an athlete. And so you have these interesting contrasts between this wrestling-based blue-chip prospect and this international guy who came out of nowhere but has totally proven that he's the genuine article. And you're right, man. Undefeated versus undefeated. If they get, if they get a little bit more senior in their career... Somebody says, mm, don't, give, don't make this fight because each one's going to have to fight the champion. So don't put them against each other because then you just kill off a contender. But you're getting them at just the right moment before that spot where now you do have to have undefeated versus undefeated. Sensational fight for the Belter. Honestly, BC, in terms of guys, again, homegrown, you know, how much you want to call it. But, you know, Belter gave them their first, let's say, major recognition with a major promotion. For guys of that description, this is one of the better fights that Bellator can make in their entire roster. You're damn right. And at 7 p.m. Eastern time, the main card Thursday night, CBS Sports Network. Please check out the prelims, including Aaron Pico, as you said. Uh, I think her 445 start. I'd have to check that, but that's on CBSSports.com. And then, Luke, this card tops off with two matchups in the final eight here of the Featherweight World Grand Prix. We love the main event, but get get the people fired up for this rematch. Daniel Weichel against Emmanuel Sanchez. The German Weichel winning a split decision, Luke, but that was four years ago, bro. Emmanuel Sanchez believes he is reborn. He's a guy out of Duke Rufus's gym. He is on a two-fight winning streak. He did lose to Patricio Freire, so, you know, understand that. Or Patricio, which, which one is this, actually? Actually, I'm not even sure. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he did lose to Patricio Freire at 145 pounds, but it was a decision, and hey, that's the best fighter Bellator's ever had. Before that, he had beaten Strauss, Galvan, Sam Cecilia, Karkanian, rematched against him, and then beat Taiwan Claxton. In the last two of those, he won... One was decision, but the Taiwan Claxton, he won via triangle choke in the second round. Emmanuel Sanchez can do everything, except he's not a super hardcore finisher, or at least he's not been one historically. The idea is now that he has matured in his talent, he's always had an incredible gas tank, great defense, relentless pursuit of the fight. Now can he put those together to start putting guys away by adding that little extra twist in, in, in punishment, that little extra twist in positional advancement on the ground. It's, good, it's, it's fine to be good at everything. Can you be lethal at something? And that's sort of the task that he has been trying to work towards, the, the goal he's been uh, putting in front of himself. We'll see. Because Daniel Weichel is a badass, dude. He's a guy you know, who I think a lot of UFC fans may not know because he's been in Bellator for a long time. I've covered Weichel's fights in person. Dude, watch, ask any coach to watch him drill, takedowns, hit pads, put on a gi, whatever. All of them will tell you everything he does is smooth. Everything. The guy has super well-rounded skills. So you've got well-rounded guy versus well-rounded guy, and both are trying to reach that next stage of their career. Both want to get an opportunity to fight the winner of Carvalho and Pitbull, because, by the way, the championship belt moves through the tournament, so they're going to get a title shot. The winner of this gets a title shot, right? That's, that's the reality, depending on who it's against. And uh, they're, they're trying to just ascend, and they have to do it against guys who are almost, not say mirror images, but present many of the same challenges that they present to opponents. You gotta love it. Yeah, it, it raises the stakes and almost makes this a semifinal bout, not a quarterfinal one, given that the winner fights for the title. They did fight four years ago, as I mentioned. Sanchez thought he won, he lost. Look, he's been saying one and done. We saw him at the weigh-in this morning. He's saying one round Intense. and done. I'm gonna knock this guy out. And for Vitro, he's never lost at this weight class. 
and he was saying in that first fight that essentially uh, he fought at Sanchez's pace. He wants to basically fight this one on his terms. He's not a guy that you think of as a knockout threat, but he's going to be looking for the early finish as well. I love when two hungry guys have history. They come in there. There's a lot of stake. This is probably the least sexiest of these high-level tournament matchups on paper, but there's a lot to love in this one. It's going to be a good one, Luke. And then lastly, but not leastly, the main event. Patricio Freire, Pitbull, the best fighter in the history of Bellator, your current champ champ at 145 and 155. He puts his belt on the line against the upstart in Pedro Carvalho. BC, you talked about it on the weigh-in show that we did. A guy who was impressed with Conor McGregor, so Carvalho, from Portugal. He speaks Portuguese, but he's from Portugal, not Brazil. He moves to Ireland to train with SBG. And in Bellator, 4-0, undefeated since he has started with them, and looking better and better each time. Yeah, and he's 6-0 and since moving to Ireland and starting with SBG, and he had to take two years off of his career to get settled, get a full-time job, get into the gym, and end up getting fights. And Luke, he's a reborn fighter. He's very aggressive on the microphone, really has that... I mean, you hear him on the mic, Luke. You can almost hear a little poor man's McGregor, James Gallagher sort of swagger in there, and he's been talking a lot of junk trying to get in Pitbull's head. You do have to be careful with that, Luke. You know, Chandler tried that, and Pitbull sent him to hell. And here's the interesting part. We already know Pitbull's the face of this franchise, the best fighter in history. Look, he beat Michael Chandler when they finally fought. He might be, Luke. Him and Chandler are tied for first with 18 wins in the Bellator cage. Career, a win here for Pitbull would give him that edge in that statistic. And, Luke, I was looking back at Pitbull's last uh, five years. 13-2. and two, the loss to Benson Henderson was because of an injury. The other loss was to Daniel Strauss for the title, which he avenged. He's coming in here full tilt, full speed ahead. Luke, does he not get the pound-for-pound recognition he deserves? Because if you've heard a Pitbull interview, he's cocky. He says, F the pound-for-pound. I'm the best fighter in the world right now. I mean, even if you look at ESPN's pound-for-pound rankings, which does take into account all organizations, they got Demetrius Johnson from one there. I've never seen Pitbull in that top ten is it at the level now where we're overlooking him? Well, that's a bit of a joke if he's not your top 10. I mean, he's clearly ext- extraordinarily talented. Uh, we, everyone is overlooking him. Anytime almost anyone comes from Bellator, they're overlooked, unless there's like a super hype job around them, like an MVP or something. And then they tend to get overrated. Patricio Pitbull, if he was in the UFC, I mean, I can't tell you how exciting that would be for their already phenomenal 145-pound division um, you know, would I favor him to beat Volkanovsky? I don't know. But the fact that I would be dying to see it tells you, <clears throat> excuse me, how competitive it actually would be. Now, Carvalho has his work cut out for him. As good as he has looked in Bellator, he's a massive uh, underdog in terms of the odds. And there's nothing that Patricio will see with Carvalho that he's never seen before. But, you know, you can't make a whole lot of mistakes against a guy this hungry, this young, this improved. This fight was supposed to take place in March. Again, going back to the Megan Anderson and Amanda Nunes point BC, and it got delayed until now. So he had all that extra time to prepare. So you know you want to like not completely dismiss Carvalho's chances, but you don't want to undersell a guy who is a no accident two weight world champion, best fighter in the history of Bellator. I suspect he will move on to the next stage of the tournament, and that is where I think um, some of the really difficult challenges for him are going to be. Yeah, he certainly should. I do like Carvalho's uh, uh, guts. He's been talking a lot of junk. You know, sometimes, look, you, you can catch the champ on it. If you can get him on an off night, maybe that's his angle. But he believes, Luke, I don't know if you agree with this, he believes that Pitbull has become a safe fighter. Now, 
That would have to be the Chandler fight notwithstanding where he knocked him out and won. But around that, we've seen Pitbull go the distance a ton, Luke. He believes there's an opening there to outwork him. So we'll see what happens, Luke. You you poke the damn Pitbull long enough, you're going to get the horns, Luke. You're going to get the dong. I don't know what what, what is wrong. What is, what is in this weird Nako energy drink today, Luke? I don't know. I don't know. All right. It's weird seeing an MMA fighter with no tattoos. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, Luke. It is. I don't Do you have, have any, any tattoos, tattoos BC? No, I have a fear of needles. Why would I? Why would I get stuck, Luke? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stressed out over a uh, COVID test I got to take next week. All right, come on. All right. I, I, I had three. I had three needles to the damn bag. I ever tell you that story, Luke? Don't ever, don't ever get that surgery. No, you've right? never told that story before. Wow, what a new and interesting <laughs> opportunity to, to it learn. It scarred me emotionally, Luke. I could tell. Uh, real quickly on this one, BC. We don't have a whole lot left for our major stories. Luke Campbell was uh, supposed to fight. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Garcia, Garcia. Yep. December 5th and, Yeah, December 5th Except he got the Rona, BC What can you tell us? Yeah, Luke Campbell, by the way Best name in the sport Combining our two names together Luke, there, my <laughs> The former Olympic gold medalist uh, Luke Campbell's right there Short of super elite, right? He had a good showing against Lomachenko But the whole point of this fight Is to find out who Ryan Garcia really is If you're an MMA guy And you're not woke to who Ryan Garcia is lightning fast speed and explosion, but a guy who's looked at by his potential opponents as a pretty boy. He's got something like three or 4 million followers on Instagram. He's impregnating girls all over the state of California and getting in baby mama drama. He's young, brash, exciting. And Ryan Garcia now trains with Canelo and is managed by his team. And he's gotten a lot better since then. So this was going to be that is Ryan Garcia for real. Like you can blow away guys on Canelo undercards who you're supposed to. What about when you're in there with an, you know, Olympic hero, a real guy in Luke Campbell, unfortunately, Luke, it'll have to wait. They're hoping Eddie Hearn says to schedule it as, as soon as two weeks to a month after that, which would be nice. Cause December 5th is already a pretty loaded day. When you consider we have a UFC card, we've got uh, the Danny Garcia, Errol Spence pay-per-view. So maybe it'll end up being a plus Luke that we push this off a little bit more, but we need to see this. You're always going to hear me talking about those five guys who have next in the sport. Ryan Garcia is supposed to be one of them. Luke, the other four want to fight him because they look at him as the soft, easy potential payday. But Luke, you've seen Ryan Garcia. When you have lightning in terms of your speed, speed becomes power, right? His power is his speed. I'm just not ready to count him out against anybody. I want to find out how real he is, Luke. By the way, I have asked to see his DMs. I'm sure they're sloppy as balls, Luke. All right? If you're shirtless got, on Instagram uh, singing all day, it's They're probably... not sloppy as balls. They might be sloppy as something else. Uh, yeah, they're probably yeah, a show. Yeah. I mean, have you ever in your life had one day as good as any random day that his DMs are? You know what I mean? No, no, not, no, no, Luke, no. You could we've pick all a had random. A, I want to know what Prime Thomas is because we've all had that one moment pre-marriage in our life. I yeah. mean, maybe you've had a couple peaks, but most of us have that one moment, the final build to when you met the wife, right? That final climb where you hit mountaintop prime single Campbell or Thomas, you know, for me, it was like, it was like summer of 2005 prime Campbell was ripped up and cut. Oh my God. He was ready for action and satisfaction. Luke, when was prime Luke Thomas? I'm going to say somewhere around 2008, 2009, something like that. I had power lifting then Luke. Well, I had surgery on my shoulder. And uh, I was out for a long time, and I had to, I had to literally like, you know, go to physical therapy twice a week for a whole year. 
to get it back to where I was. And I used that as an opportunity. I had just broken up with a girl at the time. Uh, and I used that as an opportunity to rebuild physically, to get my mind right, to get my finances in order. And when everything was healed, your boy was, uh, your boy was cooking out here in the nation's capital. Put it that way. Luke, the problem for, I don't know where, where life was in 08 when you were prime, I was prime right before the, the app pandemic. When when all you had to do, Luke was swipe and bang, swipe and bang. And you know, it was, it was we were too early. Luke. Yeah, we dude, I missed, time, I, you know? I never, I never did the. You know, Match.com or uh, what's it? We got Bumble or uh, uh, you. What's it? Um, it's uh, what's the other? What's the major Grind one? That you Grind her. Grind her. No, that's Luke? that's your that's your app. It's a fine app, but it's not mine. It's um, oh J Date J Date J Date. J Date J Date. I had a friend use J Date. Who's a good buddy of mine. Uh, Who Jason Jewish. Aaron? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Another one. Uh, no, Matt, what's the what's the major app? It's not it's not Grinder. It's uh, Jesus. What's E-Harmony? No, E-Harmony? it's the app. You you ass wipe. That's a company that predated the app. What's Christian Mingle, Luke. Where are we going with what this? What is okay? the app Where? called? What's the famous app called? I don't even know. Oh, uh, famous dating app. <laughs> Google. Huh? Famous app. Yes, please. Hey, I got Tinder. RDA in like Tinder, two is minutes. That it? Can we get Tin- through the show? Tinder. Tinder, I think, is what it is. Tinder. I okay. missed all of that. I've never, ever even been on the site, nothing, uh, yeah. or the, the app. I, all, all of that, let's hook up over that shit. I, I missed that window completely, basically. So, uh, Luke, we got some quick hitters in the news cycle to get to. Okay, speaking all of right, very penis, quickly. can we get into uh, this one? <laughs> yes, very quickly. Speaking of Hog, which Brian lo- Brian told me if I died, he was going to take over MMA Dissected and call it Dicksected. And all it would do is just judge and guess the size of men's hogs, which is you need serious fucking help. All right. Anyway, you Mike can't Tyson. Prove that I said that. You can't prove that. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm not. We'll let the, the listeners decide. Mike Tyson basically admitted for a drug test during his career, BC, that he used the old Wizenator and child's urine, his own children, I believe, to get past the drug test. Your reaction. So I didn't know that this was known, that in one of his autobiographies he had told the story, but he just told it on uh, his, his Get High podcast. I don't know the name of it, but uh, Luke, it was pretty <laughs> hilarious if you read the quotes that he was not only using the fake... Yeah, hot, hot boxing. boxing with, thank yeah. you, Gaff. Hot boxing with Mike Tyson. He actually had Jeff Nowitzki on there, and he was talking about Luke. They were talking about that when you have the fake dong, make sure it's the right color because Nowitzki was saying some NFL guys who were dark skin had light skin dong, fake dongs. But he'd fill it with baby's urine, and for a while he was filling it with his wife's urine until she said, "Hey, honey, be careful, or they'll they'll pop you for being pregnant." Luke, this is just wild stuff. I got to ask you because they didn't get into it. What was he masking? Do you think it was just like Coke and ecstasy, or do you think it was the damn, um, the damn roids, Luke? Here's what I'll tell you. Whenever you think, you know, I would never say what it is because I don't have any evidence for those claims. But what I can say is anybody you think, oh, like, there's no way they could use, or you're like, well, oh, maybe they use, but whatever. It's always worse than whatever you imagine it to be. So whatever you're imagining it to be, it's a thousand times worse. I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, more quick hitters, Luke. It's not on our list, but real quick. Uh, Mike Coppinger of The Athletic is reporting that these Canelo-Caleb Plant talks for Canelo's first one-off with a, you know, wherever he wants to go might be off because Plant needs more time to get ready. Caleb Plant jumped on a live Instagram last night shirtless from his hot tub and was like, 
you know, don't believe the hype. I'm ready tonight. So we'll see where that goes. I don't know who Canelo is going to fight, but he seems determined to fight in December. Luke, the other boxing BS of the week is the WBC has created a <laughs> bridger weight division between cruiserweight and heavyweight with a limit of 224. Luke, this is why we can't have nice things. Now, just let me get one nice thing out of the way. They named it after that kid Bridger who saved his his sister from the what the dog attack or the raccoon attack. I forgot yeah. the story. Nice, yeah, nice story. kid. Nice kid. Nice but... story. Hey, WBC, WBA, stop killing this sport already. We don't need a freaking. Nobody wants to be the Bridgerweight champion. There's not one person. I get that there's some heavyweights who are small and that Joe Lewis and Rocky Marciano used to weigh 219 pounds and freaking Tyson Fury and Joshua and those guys weigh 275. That's the deal, okay? That's the damn deal. Why don't you up the cruiserweight limit if you have to? We don't want your Bridgerweight bullshit. Get it out of here. Stop that. Any network, writer, fighter that ever supports this or puts it on, you're dead to me. Dude, why can't... If you're going to name it... Remember when they had that naming contest for that yacht and the people called it Bodie McBoatface? You know, that was the, that was the one that won. We should have a contest, and like the only names you could pick would be like pornographic names, like the Rocco Safredi belt or the Lex the Impaler belt, or you know something like that, right? Where you just totally it's like the the the, the five dollar foot long belt, but or you know whatever, some kind of reference that makes me like, yeah, I want to put on this belt. You know what this belt means? This means my DMs are a show. That's what it means. <laughs> you gotta name it after a sweet little kid that saved his sister. I mean, it's a nice story, but. It's I don't nice want to wear story. that belt. I want to wear the belt that says, you know, you know, uh, ladies, make sure you're doing uh, yoga before we go on a date or something. Watch, you know, a, some watch of- a ladies make a toilet. Yes, you want that belt. I got you. I got you, Luke. Um, hey, Luke, are you into this idea that, excuse me, PFL champion Kayla Harrison, knowing that the PFL season doesn't start up again until next April on ESPN, is going to fight this month on a Victor Invicta FC 43 in the co-main event. Luke, how do we respond to this? I like it's good. This this is my thing. It's like, do I think that this is fine? Yes. Stay busy. Get a fight. I understand why the PFL did what they did. They're they're trying to preserve their best business interests and they want to wait until there was a better situation or so that they thought would, would be a better situation before they brought their season back. Okay, fine. Maybe they, maybe they miscalculated a little bit, but I understand what they were trying to do. And so you want to keep some of your other talent busy, let them fight in other places. She's not the only one they let, they've let do this. But they're also, I think, are, either they're being sued or they've been threatened to be sued by a series of other fighters, Lance Palmer included, who's one of their you know, multiple-time champions, saying like, hey, I need to get out there and make a living as well, and you're preventing me from doing it. So what I don't understand, BC, is I've got no problem with this, but why aren't you doing that for everyone who wants to make a living? That's the part I don't get. Yeah, um, you know, kill me here, Luke. I'm not really in anymore to PFL or one championship. I'm just, I just don't care. Am I, is that wrong? Well, me, I, I would say this: PFL, I could take or leave. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me, or it doesn't do anything against me. One is a weird situation because it's run by a guy who makes what appears to be, and this is my opinion, a series of either false or totally exaggerated claims about everything they do, including but not limited to viewership. But the thing I'll give one credit for is um, not the weight cutting, which, again, they've never proven that they've actually solved the problem whatsoever, is their different rule set. They'll have kickboxing in a ring with MMA gloves. They allow certain strikes to a downed opponent. They, don't, they judge a fight as a whole 
versus the the 10.9 must system. And I think some of those things genuinely make their product different and a little bit better in certain ways. So I'll give them a bit of a, as much as I think that, you know, they have this bizarre leadership uh, and the, the claims around them you should not trust at all. But the product itself at least is is different enough to be um, noteworthy. All right. Would you buy a used car from Chatri? No. 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 There's nothing. There's never going to be money exchanging hands. Let me tell you something. I reached out to Chatri's people for an interview for a long time. And the dude who was the... Uh, PR guy there no longer works for them. They gave me an excuse about him traveling every week because I want to ask him about his anti-doping program and his weight cutting program. And they gave me the runaround for months about trying to do an interview. Meanwhile, I would see him and I was like, well, maybe, maybe my show's not big enough. Maybe he only wants to go on big enough shows. And then he would appear during that time on these like rinky dink podcasts you never heard of that had significantly smaller audiences, which I'm not mad at those podcasts for. Hey, man, do the interviews you can get. But, you know, I, why didn't he do them? You'd have to ask him. Uh, but to me, it was pretty clear from what I could tell. Again, my opinion, he was looking to not get asked tough questions. So that tells you a lot yeah. about where they're at. Yeah, pound some of that Singaporean sand. All right, let's, we got to get out of here. So let's roll through. It's SJW time. Right, Hit the it. graphics. Let's do it. Social Justice Wednesdays. This is where we bring in the Honorable Luke Bader Ginsburg to weigh in on the injustice going on back and forth between fighters. Darren Till versus Mike Perry is back on, Luke. Here oh, we go. God. Perry quote, quote tweets ESPN MMA. So Darren Till pussied out. Shake my head. Everybody seems to have a sore coochie. Been shoving them raw dog beers directly up your ass. Should I keep reading this, Luke? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to stop reading it. Oh, it gets very dirty there. So as we know, Darren Jesus, Till pulled listen, out look of at a... The, wait, how, how, dude, what sport have we devoted our lives to? This is... Who this was Till is, supposed to fight, Luke? Till was supposed to fight um, Hermanson, maybe? Something yeah, like that. that's right. It was a good fight, but he pulled out with an injury. To uh, He says, this is Darren Till. Now, no, the truth is I actually pulled out because I'm making so much effing money off Raw Dog. So I thought I'd sit this end of the year out and count the cash. Good luck against them, though. Mike Perry comes back later, quote, in Europe. Apparently, they praise you for pulling out of fights and being inactive. And then we have a closer here from Perry for good measure. When I park my girl's car, I push it out in neutral because I don't back out of nothing. Just <laughs> wow. Just like senior Luke at William and Mary. That guy is. Uh, yeah. Uh, Luke, uh, do we have a winner here or, or do all of us win for being witness to this? No, uh, everyone loses here. Uh, you, okay. me, everybody. What, what, you know, there are times BC where I'm like, wow, I, you know, what could I do to make my dad proud? And then I look at this segment and I'm like, nothing. The answer is nothing. nothing. And I now totally understand his disdain for me. All right. Our number two matchup is Teofimo Lopez versus the world. Luke, it's a great time to be the undisputed 23 year old unbeaten lightweight champion. He's sending everyone to hell. In a recent interview, Lopez basically told Deontay Wilder, stop making excuses, stop being a bitch. Uh, and then Leonard Ellerby, CEO of Mayweather Promotions, came out and said, wow, this ain't it. In my opinion, cats are too comfortable. Uh, we got more from Ellerby saying, uh, now everybody tough now. He not in no promo with that man, and he's not fighting him. <laughs> okay to disagree. 
Teofimo comes out with KO1 here, Luke. Uh, stop being a bitch, too. Not he, forgot, he forgot a letter. He forgot a letter. But yes. yes. Okay. So then, Luke, last Saturday, Devin Haney, a potential future rival here for Teofimo, came out. You know, he had that somewhat boring win over uh, Uriarchus Gamboa. Oh, notice and, the uh, notice the Photoshop on the uh, the belt there, BC. Yes. Teofimo tweets out a picture of Haney saying the email champion performance because Haney's got a bastardized version of the franchise WBC title that. That supposedly Lopez won from Lomachenko. You know, it's boxing. It's bullshit. And then, Luke, we had Teofimo this week on Morning Combat, and he came at Haney one more time and everybody else. Here we go. 135, I mean, you have the likes of these guys, and I'm the king of it all. So I think, honestly, it's just what can they bring to the table? Uh, I think definitely who's last on my list, Brian, uh, is Devin Haney. Devin Haney, poor performance from him. If I fight Devin Haney, correct? And for the WBC belt, whatever, whatever, his email championship belt. And I fight for that belt. I beat him, right? I clearly beat him and everything. In fact, probably knock his ass out. What have these cats really have brought to the table, though? We talk about Santa Cruz with, uh, with Tank Davis, but it's not really much to the table to bring that to be mentioned as pound for pound on the list. They try to put him on the pound for pound list. Hell no. You have a lot more to do. My dude, you got to fight bigger, better opposition. They cannot overprice themselves. Take, you're not Money Mayweather. You will never be Money Mayweather unless you fight oppositions and let your ego go. Same implies for Devin Haney. Same implies for Ryan Garcia. These guys are trying to be Money Mayweather. You're not Money May yet. You have to be pretty boy. You have to work your way up. But I am going to be the A-side. See, and that's where it pro that's the problem, though. If Floyd is saying that Tank will have to be the A-side to fight me, He's fucking crazy. He's crazy. He's fucking crazy. It's not going to happen. Tank doesn't bring nothing to the table more than just an opponent that I could beat the shit out of. Sorry for my language. And, and that's about it. Uh, Luke, he basically says if you're a young fighter, you want to fight him, you need to take a pay cut, and you ain't going to be the B-side. Does this mean we never see him and Gervonta? I, I think the chances are pretty good of him and Gervonta because I think Teofimo is the best 135-er and Gervonta is the biggest attraction. But the Haney fight is the one I'd actually rather see more because they seem to naturally hate each other a bit more. But I don't think we're going to get that because there's no real incentive to make it, at least not anytime soon. I just got to say, I love Teofimo. I don't agree with everything he's saying there business-wise about I have to be the A-side. Look, that's why... We don't end up getting the fights if both guys feel like they have to be the A-side. At some point, both have to come together. But I do like a cocksure 23-year-old Luke who's just going to drop bombs on anybody. I'm here for that. All right, Luke, we close each week on Wednesday. Pulling it from the Have You Seen This Shit. It's fan submission time. Blah, 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 blah. There you, you go. Can reach Want to combat at gmail.com. All right, Luke, let's start off from Dom Spiller on Instagram. He says, the good thing about getting out of work at the same time morning combat starts is I can crack a cold one while watching him. Would you drink that loose juice hazy IPA that Dom's got right there? Yeah, I like the art. Uh, you know, I give it a shot. And, uh, by the way, why is he drinking at 11 a.m.? Where does he work? 
I don't know what country he's in, Luke. Or maybe he works the graveyard shift. Maybe he embalms dead bodies and dresses them up for the funerals, Luke. It's possible. You never know. We have weird fans, but shout out to that fella. Hey, Luke, let's shout out to Larry Hophan. He's at LHophan88 on Instagram. He went broke trying to pay for his honeymoon, Luke, but he had enough cash to buy that green MK shirt. Luke, he looks pretty handsome in it. Look at this fucking heterosexual right here out there just cock of the walking everywhere he goes. God bless you, sir. You're a fantastic American. Thank he's you, American, Larry. Right? Congratulations. He must, he must be if he has an MK shirt. Hey, he's, he got married. That means he's getting laid, Luke. Shout out to Larry Hophan right there. Uh, let's go over from CRKN, who's at the Crackoon. Here's some MK art, Luke, from Captain Phillips of When Room Service Diaries Get Real, Luke. <laughs> That's great. Luke, that I am the great. captain of this ship now. Thank you man, very much. I got to tell you, you don't look very much like a, uh, a man from Mogadishu, but, you know, appearances can be deceiving. Thank you. Uh, hey, uh, a frequenter in these parts is Scott Rizzo at Scott underscore M underscore Rizzo on Instagram. Luke, he has Mike Tyson reimagined <laughs> with the eye tat. How hard would it be to convince him to get a face tattoo of that? Not that hard, I think. Uh, Probably not that hard. Yeah, I'm down with this picture all the way. Uh, let's go over to from Goody MMA, which is at fi- at Film Junkie PhD. Luke, I love this shit. He says whether he likes it or not, Luke Thomas has been forever imprinted on our family via this family blanket, which consists, Luke, of what? All your T-shirts? What's going on here? No, look at the baby's right foot and then look to the one to the side of it where it says woo. Uh, the guy who does my artwork um, did a, a mashup of me saying woo with Ric Flair's hair. Oh, that's uh, th- great. And so they actually have that T-shirt there. And so he made a, a, a rug for his daughter out of, out, of his, out of his T-shirts. That's fantastic, Luke. Very sweet. Cool. Hope Thank his daughter drops a, de- drops a deuce right on top of that. All right, Luke, let's go from um, at 8-Bit Imaginations on Instagram he made a nice comic book cover celebrating the many misadventures of morning combat with Dino and Soup. Luke, you like that? That is amazing. Yeah, they used to call me Dino for a time. I, the white hair, ah, it's killing me. And you look like one of those things out of a Ryzen promotion or something, but it works. At the bottom, it says MK all day, nearly every day. Indeed. Hey, let's go with this guy at Dickles. D-I-K-U-L-Z. Luke, he's coming for Web Scream's crown. Check out this Ultimate Fighter tip-to-tip poster, Luke. You like this? The tip-off. That's scary. Yeah. That's Thomas legitimately frightening. Yeah. That, I, I would put that up on the wall. Seriously, I, I got to start printing out all these web screams and, and Dickles. Uh, Dickles is back with another one, Luke. Here's a big Lebowski-inspired MK poster. <laughs> that is so good. Luke, I'm the oh. dude in this one, right? Shut the F up, Jay. You're out of your element. Yeah, well I'm John Goodman, but you know what? I can't hate. That is amazing. Wow. So good. All right. Uh, we've got one more from Dickles that our staff, Luke, have not shown you or I, and they're saying this one is fan-friggin-tastic. Here we go. And I didn't have the opportunity to really uh, – I, I was just so engrossed in the MMA world. I would missed a lot of time, and um, I, I remember I was catching up with my co-host for the show I do on Showtime, Morning Combat, and my co-host, my co-host, my co-host, my co-host. 
faces, worn out places, worn out faces, bright and early for their daily races, going nowhere, going nowhere. Their tears are filling up their glasses, no expression, no expression. I didn't hear that, but I still got the gist of it. Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, your nickname is no longer Soup. It's co-host. That is. Yes, it is. And oh, did you that see is... he got the that weird moment? So I do have a sort of tick when I'm chewing or drinking, Luke. Sometimes I've got a, a wandering eye that'll go up. And when I took the first sweet taste of that, uh, of that, uh, what were we drinking there? That you, look, you look like the, uh, the dude from Big Trouble in Little China who has all the potions. Like the old yes. Chinese guy. And in that moment, the disgusting filth of that taste just made my eye go, whoa. So he did capture that beautifully, Luke. Shout out to uh, Dick send, send me, if Mikey is watching our other producer from CBS, send me all these assets because I got to repost some of these. That is that is an amazing piece, an amazing piece. All right, well Luke, done. can you take us out of here solo? I got to log off and jack off and get RDA on the horn, all right? Yes, let's do that. Uh, all right, so. Give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button to give us a fan submission or anything for Dead Wrong, which we will do on Friday, morningcombat at gmail.com. That is the email for this and everything else. You can see all of the social down there below. They flashed it for a second, but, you know, Morning Combat on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat, by the way. You have a vanity URL now. Subscribe and like. You want to try Showtime? You certainly can. Go to Showtime.com right now for a 30-day free trial. And, uh, yeah, um, go to store.show.com for any of our good stuff. For co-host, my name is Luke Thomas. Thanks to everyone at Showtime and Malka. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.